Would you turn with me, please, to the book of Revelation? The book of Revelation. That book that usually has got all the nice clean pages in it. Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. We'll be going through the chapter anyway, <clears throat> and then to um, some of chapter 6. But we'll just read the first verse to start with. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 1. <clears throat> and it says, I saw in the right hand of him that sat upon the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. Let's just bow in a word of prayer. Oh Lord Jesus Christ and Heavenly Father, Lord, this evening, this morning, Lord, we pray that your word would speak to us, Lord. Lord, that that book of Revelation, Lord, would just speak onto our hearts this morning. Lord, that it would bless us as your word always does. But Lord, this morning we pray, Lord, that your name would be magnified in this house. That the name of Jesus Christ, that the majesty of Jesus Christ be glorified in your word this morning. Because Lord, it is all about you. Lord, I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit, Lord, would guide me. Lord, and reveal unto your people, Lord, the things of God. Lord, I pray this morning, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would have free course and have its way. Lord, take anything from me, Lord, that is not of you. But Lord, let every word that is spoken this morning, Lord, be inspired by you, Lord. Take this man out of the way and let your people see Jesus Christ through your word. In Jesus' precious name, amen. This morning we're going to be going through, as I said, some of the, the book of, books of Revelation. <clears throat> um, I was praying about this and I got uh, a lead-in, if you like, of chapter 5 and then I started to look into it and thought, oh Lord, when I saw the enormity of what what it was, but the book and the seven seals really jumped out at me. <clears throat> and last week I was told off because they said it was too short that I'd stopped halfway through. So this morning you're in for it. <laughs> so Revelation <clears throat> chapter 5 verse 1. You'll notice it says, in the right hand of him. The right hand, as you probably already know, shows the authority of him to hold what this was, a book, or as it could be also interpreted as scroll, a scroll. So this scroll you'll find, um, you find it actually in the book of Ezekiel. Uh, you'll find um, the scroll usually is something when it's going to be revealed, when something is going to be revealed. So this first verse tells us that something is going to be revealed. So if you let your eye run down to verse 2, 
And it says, And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and loose the seals? Now the strong angel denotes an angel of mighty strength or a valiant angel. Now there's a few controversies. Some say it may be Gabriel and some say it's Michael. But one thing we are definitely sure of, that they cannot open the scroll, whichever way. They don't have the right to and they don't have the power to. So if you let your eye run down now to verse 4. And it says, I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and read the book or neither to look there upon. Now this book is believed to be the title deed of the earth. The title deed of the earth. And what it is, with it being the title deed of the earth, only the Lord could open this. Because only him has the title of creator of the whole earth. Only he knows all things. So when this scroll starts to open, you will find that he starts unveiling the history of the world. That's what it's going to be. That's what it denotes. So go to verse 5 for me. Revelation 5 and 5. And it says, And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, have prevailed to open the book and to loosen the seven seals thereof. Now obviously when he's saying it gives us the identity of who can open the book. The lion of the tribe of Judah. It denotes the lineage of Jesus Christ. Not only is it the lineage, but you'll find that Judah was the tribe where the kings would come out of. So it's showing his kingship, his authority as one. And then it shows you him as a symbol, as the lion was of the strength and the power to protect his people. So this all denotes, you can start to see in Revelation, that there's all very symbolic. But when you start to understand the symbols, it starts to reveal what Revelation is talking about. And the root of David is obviously David. It's the descendant of David. But he's also saying that he was the root of David, but also being David's God. In Revelation 22 and 16, it says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David. And the bright and morning star. So he shows both. He is the descendant, but he's also the God of David. And then it mentions the seven seals in verse 5. Now the seven seals, as you'll find out, as each one is broken, starts off a scenario or an event that happens in history. So the seven seals actually start to go over nearly 2,000 years of history. But it's the Lord unveiling and showing his people what is going to happen. It starts to show John the Revelator, this is me, this is how in control I am. This just shows him that he is the Lord of all. So that's what he's revealing. Go down to verse 6, please. 
And it says, I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. Now, as I'd said before last week, the four beasts that are there, they represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And each one of them had a, had a, had a symbol on them. And had, as I say, I went over this last week. But there were the heads of the brigades of all 12 tribes of Israel, as you can even see Ephraim and Dan and Reuben and Judah. So these four beasts, you'll all see that they take on a symbol of one of the heads of the brigades of the tribes of Israel. So they're all cascaded, if you like, around this lamb that had been slain. But also you find that the word elders there. It says the elders. So who are the elders? Well, in Revelation 4 and 4, it says, And around about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. So you'll see there's 24 seats and there's 24 elders. Now, 24 in the Bible represents the priesthood. Priests. You um, think it's First Chronicles chapter 24. You'll see in the temple that they had 24 priests serving there. So it denotes the priesthood. You'll also find <clears throat> that there's, it's split into 12 and 12. So there's 12 seats and then there's 12 seats. Now, this denotes a government, a government of God that's put in place. So when it says the 12, um, when it says the 24 elders, you will then find it will be the 12 sons of Jacob and the 12 apostles. And I'll show you. In Matthew, if you want to turn there, you can do. In Matthew 19, verse 27, hear what the Lord said. Matthew 19, verse 27 and 28. It says, And then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, listen to this, Verily, I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit, listen, upon the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So you can see what the Lord is saying here. And in, in fact, in Revelation 21 and 14, it says, And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the name of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. So you can see there is a government, and you can see the government that's formed. And when it talks about the foundations of the twelve apostles of the Lamb, it's talking about the revelation that they had of Jesus Christ, their doctrine that they started to teach onto the church and start to teach onto the people. 
So we'll go next to the slain lamb. I think we all know what the slain lamb would mean in this verse. In verse in verse uh, 6. The lamb as it had been slain obviously denotes Jesus Christ, shows him as the slain lamb. In the midst of the throne shows his position, where he is on the throne. And in the midst of the elders and the four beasts. Now what does this represent? He's in the midst of the elders and in the midst of all these four beasts. What would that represent? Well, if you cast your mind back to the picture of the tabernacle in the wilderness, you will see that when they encamped around in the wilderness of the tabernacle, they had all the tribes of Israel encamped around and about on the outside. And then as you got towards the middle, there was, if you like, the tent or the tabernacle, the tent. And then right in the middle of that was the sacrificial altar. So this is what it's showing you. It's showing you a picture of the temple. In fact, it's showing you the picture of the glory of the Lord and his glorious work that was done for us. And then it talks about the seven horns and the seven eyes. To be honest with you, if if I went through each and every one of these, this could be a whole study in itself, but I'll just give you a brief uh, preview of what they are if you like the seven horns are the administrations of the spirit of God for example in the Old Testament you'll hear of the horn of salvation this was the administration of the Lord's salvation onto his people as he's speaking to them if you like in the future when he talks about the salvation that will bring in him So that's just an example. And the seven eyes are the characteristics of God. And it speaks about these in the book of Isaiah. His his characteristics, his wisdom, his judgment. So it shows you this is the characteristics of the Lord. So you can start to see that the book of Revelation, as much as people talk about it's of woe and it's of bad things. And don't get me wrong, there is that kind of thing in the book of Revelation. But there's a lot of majesty of the Lord Jesus Christ in there. The beauty of him that's on the throne. And if you notice, it says the slain lamb. In other words, it says he's still got his marks of what happened on the cross. Because even though people may look at them marks, but he looks upon them because they're for his glory. They're the marks in which he redeemed his people. That he set them free. And that's why he still retains that slain lamb. But he shows that he's on the throne. Because now he's the lion that will set his people free. And will set this world free. You like to let your eye run down to verse 8. And we'll read through to verse 10. Revelation 5, 8 and verse, through to verse 10. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odours, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred 
and tongue and people and nation and has made us unto our God kings and priests. And listen to this. We shall reign on the earth. On the earth. So this shows us the Lord and his chiefest of office. It shows us him as the king and priest. When it says that they come with their vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints, it shows you him as our great high priest, the only intercessor between God and man. It shows him as the priest, but he's also of the Melchizedek order, which is the highest order of king and priest. He is royalty and he is priest. So it shows you his complete and utter authority here. We also see as well that they come with their harps. In other words, they come with their worship because of everything that he has done, because of who he is. He is worthy of the worship of all of heaven because of what he has accomplished and who he is, the Lord of all. And you notice something as well. He's made us kings and priests. What a privilege it is to know that he's made us kings and priests. That office that he now holds, he is the high king and priest, but he has made us kings and priests. We have to remember, when the Lord comes back, we're not just going to be all floating on a cloud with the harps in our hands doing all that. There's got to be work to be done. There's a government to be put into place. And this is what the Lord has done. He's put a government in place, and we're going to be part of that government. Those who know him, those who loved him and those who served him with a fullness of heart get this position. It's beautiful. Revelation 1 and 6 actually says, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be the glory, and listen to this, dominion forever and ever, forever and ever. So just looking at these few verses now, we get a gist of what the book is which is the title deed, which is the unveiling of history, who it was and what it took to open the book. It took Jesus Christ and him being slain to open the whole scroll up, to be revealed unto John, to show him these visions. So we start to see now a bit of the majesty and the dominion and the authority that was Jesus Christ and his kingship. So now John seeing this is in no doubt as who the Lord is. I mean, he knew before, but this was just the revelation of who he is on the throne. There is no one higher than me. And this is what he's showing him. And he's showing him a glimpse of what is to happen even in the future, the kings and priests, and what is going to happen. So we get into verse, um, into chapter 6 of Revelation. If you turn to verse 1, and then you'll start to see these seals being opened. Revelation chapter 6 and verse 1. And it says, And when I saw, when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth, conquering to conquer. 
Now you'll start to see, as each seal is opened, you'll start to understand that this was a whole history of Western Europe, but more so it was the history of the Roman Empire. You'll start to see each stage as it comes into being and what happened. But this is what he was revealing unto John. This is got to be what's got to happen. This is, this is what's got to happen through the history of the Roman Empire. So the first seal, we see this white horse. Now, what does the white horse symbolise? Well, you'll find that the, uh, the Caesars of Rome, whenever they were starting to go out and, and, uh, and, and you start to see Rome expand, Every time there was victory, the victory parade would come and you would see the Roman generals on the white horse. So the white horse always represents military conquest, represents military power. And the prophets always associated horses with wartime. And so you see that the Roman Empire started to expand greatly. Uh, this would have covered, the first seal would have covered maybe uh, the period of time between AD 96 and 180. Then you start to see them expand. You start to see the Roman Empire expand and its military might at, its, at the golden age of this time was frightening. There was no, no power at that time that could resist it. Uh, the, the war machine was, was the best so far in the world. And they were known for their tactics and their use in it. And the Roman generals, every time when they would come back, were seated on this white horse and would ride through the middle of Rome in their victory procession. So it declared, it declared the, the victory, if you like. Then you also see this bow. There's a bow mentioned here and had a bow. Now this, you may sort of over this a bit but if you sort of go into history a bit like I would all the Roman empires uh, emperors should I say up till Julius Caesar um, no sorry up to the death of Nero sorry were all from Roman stock were all Romans but at the death of Nero and an emperor called Nerva which took over they would start to be of Greek descent now when he took over this started to usher in a period in Rome that they'd never seen before, which I said was the golden period of Rome, where they started to see the military expand and everything else. But the thing was, with, this, with the introduction of this Emperor Nerva, we start to see that all the emperors from then on were Greeks or of Greek descent. But they were specifically from Crete, or they were Cretans. Now, you may not know, but Crete at that time were known as a race of the most excellent and revered bowmen in all the world. They were the best bowmen you could get. In fact, Rome always used to try and get the Cretans to train their bowmen because they were, they were known as the best in the world. So that's what the bow here represents. And it amazes me how accurate the Bible is to even put that in there, the bow there. And then you have the crown which is obviously the laurels which were worn by the emperors of this time. But that also represents the celebrations that they used to have. But that was also introduced because of the Greeks. 
because the Greeks used to use these laurel leaves in their games for whoever won the games. They used to put them on the heads and then that was taken from them. And it was also for the emperors of Rome. So we get to verses 3 and 4 in Revelation 6. And this is the second seal. And it says, And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red. Notice that, it was red. And power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. Now this period of time now would have been from A.D. 185 to A.D. 284. And this was a, a bad period for Rome because after the Golden Age, they started to slip into a time of dissent. It was civil war. The civil war raged on and there was many, many killed during the civil wars of the Roman Empire. Denoting the red colour of the horse shows the bloodshed that was shed there in the Roman Empire at this time. It was almost a time of constant war. But you'll notice it says the earth. Peace was taken from the earth. Well, the earth, when it says it in the Greek here, is not the whole earth, as we would understand. But it's a word, gehei, which means the region, or a region. So it's talking about the region of Rome. And obviously the great sword represents the wars. But there was 92 years of civil war in Rome. 92 years of it. And it was fought, and in this time, between the Roman empires, there was 32 different Roman empires, uh, 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 Roman emperors at this time. And there was 27 uprisings in the 92 years. So you can see how many were killed, how many were disposed, how much upheaval there was in this time of civil war for Rome. So if you would let your eye run down, to Revelation 6 and verse 5. Verses 5 and 6. And it says, And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And beheld and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. The black horse represents the absolute despair and the terrible state that the Roman Empire had fell into at this time. This was from the period of about 200 AD to 250. And because of the constant wars that had been fought, they start to go into a, an, an air, a, a time of depression, of great economical unbalance. You find that the government was trying to tax them heavily for the upkeep of their armies. They were trying to tax the people so heavily that people could not pay the taxes and it was crippling the economy at this time. So 
to them when it says a measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny. This indicates a high inf inflation at this time, but it also shows you that how expensive it was because a penny in them days was a man's wages. So it was showing you how expensive it was just to buy food at that time. And when it says hurt not the oil nor the wine, what happened they were doing was because of the people that were growing the produce at that time, if they couldn't then pay their tax, what they would do was then take oil or wine from them because that was the most expensive produce and trade goods. And that's why it says, when it says don't hurt them, it says don't be unjust, unjust on the taxation. And this is what that means. So if you let your eye run down to verse 7, We'll go into the fourth seal. Verse 7. And it says, when, And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast saying, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse. And his name that sat on him was Death, and Hell followed with him. And the power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth, to kill with the sword, with hunger, with death, and with the beasts of the earth. The pale horse represented the famine, disease, plagues, and malnutrition that started to come across the whole empire because of all these wars, taxation, and everything else that was being waged. You'll find at this time, more than ever, that there was barbarians starting to invade from all corners of the empire, that they were struggling to even try and keep an army to protect the empire. But you'll also find as well that disease was that bad throughout this period, which was about 250 AD to 300. It was that bad, it was said that there was over 5,000 people every day died in the Roman Empire of starvation. It was a terrible time for them. Disease was completely desolating their provinces and the towns of Rome. It was completely desolating them. So if you let your eye run down then to verse 9, and we get to the, this fifth seal. It talks about the souls unto the altar. Verse 9. It says, And when he had opened the fifth seal... I saw under the altar the souls of them which were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, does thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. And this was another period of time between AD 303 and AD 313. And obviously we know that this was the Christians that suffered terribly under the pagan Roman Empire. This was the Christians that were fed to the lions that were crucified, that were killed, that were murdered, because they would not bow down and burn incense to Caesar. But you notice 
because they were persecuted so greatly, you'll find that they have a place in this, what John sees under the altar. Well, this was a sign of the new covenant. They were under the sacrifice of what the Lord had already atoned for them. So they were under the new covenant. So you'll see that it says that they should rest for a little season until their fellow servants and also their brethren that should be killed as they were. Now you have to make the distinction. As I said, I'm going to say this again. I am quoting what happened in history here. I'm not being biased, but this is what happened in history. There was two. There was the pagan Roman Empire, and then after the fall of the pagan Roman Empire, you started to see another, if you like, Roman sort of empire start to come up, and this was called the Papal Rome. Now, the difference between pagan Rome and Papal Rome was this. Pagan Rome used military might to exercise its authority over that time, over that region of the earth. Papal Rome was different. It was different in the fact that when it came along, it instituted this system, a corrupt religious system that had influence and control over many, many nations. And because of this influence and control, when it says... Uh, rest for a little season until your fellow servants also and their brethren, that they should be killed as well. It was talking about because they've been the martyrs in pagan Rome, he's saying to John, my vengeance isn't coming on the earth just yet because there's something else got to take place. And he's revealing to John that there's got to be more killed under another system. And so what he's talking about is And this is true, folks, when I tell you this. Under the papal Rome, there was 50 million killed because they proclaimed the word of God and said that Jesus Christ was the head of the church and not the Pope. You check in your history books. It's a history that's not very told very often, but it's the truth. There was 50 million that were killed because they wouldn't bow. And they said that the scriptures were the truth, the infallible word of God. That's the truth. Now, I've said this before. I was brought up as a Roman Catholic. And when I was in the Roman Catholic schools, I know you hear a lot of scare stories, but to be honest with you, I was treated exceptionally well by them. They were lovely people. They were genuine, but they were misguided. They were misguided in what they were taught. And that's the truth. It's not the people it's the system that's wrong. It's the system that's wrong. The sixth seal we'll get into now. And this is verse 12. And it comes down to verse 17. A lot of people get excited about this one. Verse 12, and it says, And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. And the stars of heaven fell onto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs. 
when she is shaken of the mighty wind. And the heavens departed as a scroll, and when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places, and the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man hid themselves in the dens and rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Verses 12 to 14. You hear of these earthquakes, the sun, the moon, and the stars, and you hear the heavens depart as a scroll. I've said to you before, the prophets, when you start to read the Bible, when you study the Bible, had a certain language for things. They used to describe things in a certain language. So we have the earthquakes. In prophetic scripture, this represents a great political upheaval. And in the Old Testament, this is in Exodus 19:18, And it's in the Psalms 18 and 7 and verses 15. You hear that all these Signs that earthquakes is always to do with a government or a political upheaval or a bringing down. Then you see the, the sun, the moon and the stars. Now you've heard about all this. The moon turns red with blood. Not. No. Look. When you look in scripture, in Daniel chapter 8 verses 5 through 10, he uses the same explanation for Babylon. When that's got a fall. It's the system. He's talking about the, the ruling structure of this collapsing. This is what's being denoted here. And the heavens depart as a scroll. It's talking about the complete collapse of that pagan government at that time. In other words, it's got to be rolled back completely. So there's got to be nothing left of that government And then when it talks about the verses 15 to 17, when it talks the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men, and it talks about them being so frightened that they ask for the mountains to fall upon them for that great day of the wrath of the Lamb to come. You have to understand, this this was talking about, you see towards the end of the Roman Empire, it divided into two, the Western and the Eastern Roman Empire. And just before this time, there was a man or a Roman general, his name was Constantine. And I think he was over in Britain at the time. And he got a vision in the sky of a flaming cross. And straight away, he knew what it was. He got this vision of who Christ and Christ was. So then he marched back onto Rome. And he went and he fought in Rome and he declared himself as the emperor of Rome. And now this time he was the first ever Christian emperor of Rome. And all that pagan uh, authority and dominion that had ever took place in Rome at that time completely collapsed. And you see all the other nations of the earth, because they were so used to doing business and trade around, they were terrified that this pagan system had completely collapsed and it was gone forever because now Constantine was in charge and all these people were, were fleeing out of Rome because they were frightened of the repercussions of what happened to them. 
what would happen to them. And when it talks about the great wrath to come, it was only a century later that the whole of the Roman Empire completely collapsed because of the wrath of God that was poured out upon them. You've seen the seals. You've seen everything that was happened. It started to break up and then it completely collapsed. Why? Because the Roman Empire had turned on God's people and he was not happy. And he put his hand upon it and said enough. And it completely collapsed everything. And when you start to see through the history of Rome with these seals and what was poured out upon them, it was a terrible, terrible judgment that came upon them. So that was that sixth seal, which was the dividing and eventual the collapse of the Roman Empire. And then we get to the seventh seal. But this is in chapter 8, believe it or not, of Revelation and verse 1. But this seventh seal, <clears throat> you'll find it says, and it talks about in verse 1, seven trumpets. So the, the seventh seal is the start of another period of history with the seven trumpets. And these seven trumpets are another stage of history that is going to take place. Right, where are we? Yeah. And it says, um, Revelation chapter 8, verse 1. And it says, When he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. Sorry, verse 2. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Seven trumpets. Sorry, it was in verse 2. The seven trumpets then start the second a second period of history. Now, to, as again, to go through all these uh, seven trumpets, you're going through a, another massive period of history that the Lord starts to reveal unto John, which is the Goths, which is the Huns. He also starts to reveal Islam, the birth of Islam, and that coming across and everything. So, so the Lord starts to reveal to him, this is what's going to happen. But when you get to the the seventh trump, and I'm only hitting the highlights here because, as I say, it would take too long to go into it all. But when you hit the seventh trump, that's the last trump. So when that seventh seal's opened, and the seven trumps, one, two, three, start to be opened up and start to be revealed, the seventh trump is that of the Lord coming back. That's when the Lord's calling time on everything. And this is what he's saying to John. Don't you think for one moment, that those who have persecuted my people will get away with it. Not once. They will be judged. He gives them time, and that's what he's doing now. He's giving them time to repent. But if they don't repent, when that trumpet comes, he is calling time on the whole earth. And don't make no mistake about it. The Lord is not unjust. So when he calls time, you will know that people have had every opportunity that they've ever needed to repent before the Lord. Every single opportunity. So when he calls time on it, that is it. Whoever is righteous, let him be righteous still. And whoever is unjust, 
let him be unjust still. The Lord is coming back, my friends, let me tell you. And you find that every single time, whether it was even the Jews that started off, when they turned upon the Lord's people, whether it be the Romans, whether it be up until the present day now, you'll find that the judgment of God always falls upon them because he sees it. People think they get away with things, but the Lord sees it all. And even right now when we see communism in these countries, when we see Islam and the beheading people because people believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm telling you something now, people of God. The Lord sees it. And there's coming a day if they do not repent that he's got to call time on them. And they will see him. Now when I says all these things about the skies rolling back as a scroll as the governments, when it says about the Lord coming back, in other words it says, you see all earthly government will be completely wiped away. And there will be one government and it will be one king, and his name will be Jesus Christ. And that flaming sword will be thrust in the earth, and those who don't know him will come under the judgment of it. That's what it means. Because you see the Lord, he is just, and you see those who love him, they will be gathered under the shadow of his wings. But those who don't know him, and those who have persecuted the Lord's people, then I'm sorry, my friend, if they haven't repented, then that's it. It's judgment. You see, the Lord that we see is love. His nature is love. He loves people. Yes, he does. But he has wrath. And the thing is, we don't understand is that the Lord is more patient and more just than any man would ever be. He will be more patient with nations than anybody else would ever be. But you see when we, we tell people that there is a judgment coming. And then that's it. Oh yeah, well he's unjust doing that. But yet when we see through history what the Lord has seen. What the Lord has seen done to his people. And yet he holds back his wrath. For them to repent and come before him. Then we see how just he really and truly is. We see the justness of our Lord. But even in this day. We can start to see again. The rise of empires. Like the, like the EU. Trying to take over. Trying to take the Bible out of the schools. In defiance to God. You can even see their headquarters. They've designed it on the Tower of Babel, which was a symbol of a defiance against God. But you know something? It's coming down. The government's communism is coming down. The nations are going to tremble because they're going to see the Lord of glory. And let me ask you something. Are you ready for it? Are you getting yourself ready for the greatest cataclysm that's ever going to happen on this earth? Are we ready for it? Do we know our Lord? Do we know our God? Do we know our Bible? 
Are we serving him with a fullness of our hearts? Because he's coming back. He's coming back for his people, friend. He's coming back. I want to show you something. Second Thessalonians. Please turn with me, please. Chapter 1, verse 7. Listen to this. Chapter 1 and verse 7, 2 Thessalonians. And to you who are troubled, listen to this, to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire taking vengeance on them, that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Brother, sister, take solace and comfort in the fact that everything that you are seeing in these nations, everything that is happening, all the terrible and the evil and the wicked deeds that you are seeing right now, take solace in the fact that he is coming back and everything will come under his hands and it will be stop. Everything will stop. Because the Lord of glory is going to be here. And it says he is going to rule with a rod of iron. That means an authority and a dominion. There'll be no grey areas with the Lord. What's righteous is righteous. What's wrong is wrong. And the world's crying out for the king of glory to come back. You can see the birth pains of it now. The end is coming near. But trust me, when that saviour returns, he's got to put all things right as they should be. So brother and sister, be encouraged this morning. Be blessed this morning. I know I went through quite a bit there, but it was a whole lot of history there. And it just shows you that the Lord's in control. It shows you that he had his hand upon everything, even in them times when he showed John, even right the way through history. He knew exactly what was going to happen and when it was going to happen. He knows that he, we know that he's coming back again and it will be in his good time. Praise the Lord.